Hey everyone, hope all is well out in your world. Welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Got a great episode 94 in store for you today, where I speak with Michelle Ricci, who is the founder and owner of the Early Bird Phoenix, which is a mobile coffee shop in and around the Phoenix area. We get into some really great discussions, some deep discussions, you know, around support systems, kind of getting the business started, you know, kind of in that period of searching of like, hey, what am I going to do with my life? Uh, So a lot of cool discussions. I appreciate her being kind of open and transparent about a lot of that. And I hope you guys have a lot of takeaways, especially if you are in that, you know, phase of your life where you're maybe feel stuck and you're like, hey, how do I get out of this or what's my next step? Hopefully uh, Michelle's insight could uh, help you guys as well. Um, as you go along your journey. So hope you guys enjoy this episode. Excited to jump into it. So without further ado, my chat today with Michelle Ricci. Let's get it started. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Thanks so much for having me. I am so excited to chat with you. How are things out in uh, in the, I guess, the desert, you say? Is that the... Yeah, we're in the desert. Um, they are really nice this time of year. I'm actually looking out the window. It's a little bit gloomy today, which is rare. But um, yeah, it's beautiful this time of year because it's not too cold compared to most of the country. Yeah, we're we're actually getting it's it's weird. I'm here in the Carolinas, and we have not got much. We haven't gotten zero snow, and we'll get like a couple storms per year. So we, uh, I don't know, we might dodge a bullet here. We'll see, but. <laughs> It's cold today, but it's like snow? 40. What's that? You don't want to shovel snow? No, I did that for uh, almost 18 years. I'm from New York originally, so I've had enough of that. That's actually why I moved down to the Carolinas. So. Yeah, it's, this is a very popular time to be in Phoenix and in Scottsdale. Um, we're coming up to the Waste Management uh, People's mm-hmm. Open Golf Tournament. That's huge. There's the Barrett-Jackson Car Show. That's a ton of people that come to the Valley from all over trying to escape the cold and a lot of Canadians as well. So it's a booming time in the Valley. It's really nice outside. It's great to go hiking. Now, uh, are you, are you born and raised there? Yes, I'm a native. I was born in Phoenix. I grew up here. I went to ASU and I only moved away just for a brief time after college, but I spent most of my time here in Phoenix. You had to get away just to see what was out there. Or was that the- <laughs> exactly? Yeah, just a taste of something different. I did not do it for college, which I had thought I would. So I decided right after, and I mean like two weeks after graduating college, I moved and I went as far away as I could in the country and ended up in Boston for about two and a half years. What did you do? Where did you uh, go to college for? I actually graduated with a degree in theater. Um, I started in architecture, thought I wanted to go that route, got weeded out very quickly. And that was right when everything was switching to CAD. So it got, you know, very computer tech savvy, not my thing. I was into drawing, like hand drawing. And so I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I felt like at the time communications was like a bullshit degree. I didn't really understand what that meant. So um, I decided just to go to theater and that was my fallback. So I graduated kind of with a concentration in directing. Wait, so how do you go from architecture to theater? Like, did you have a, did you like do any like plays or anything? Like, I don't know the I was, theater, I, was a, I guess, yeah. community theater, I guess you call it or. I was an overachiever in high school. Um, 
I had my hand in everything. And so I think I felt, you know, pushed to do well in academics, but I liked the extracurriculars more. I liked sports. I liked theater and I spent a lot of my time in the theater, like drama department. And we did all the plays and I just had so much fun there that by the time I got to college and architecture seemed really overwhelming, college itself seemed a little overwhelming and I felt burnt out. I was like, you know, I just want to have fun. If I have to do the four years now, which I did because I had accepted a scholarship, um, I couldn't take a break. Then I was like, I just want it to be an enjoyable experience. And I knew that doing theater would give me that. It's a weird, weird question, but I'm curious if you can go back. How did you know you wanted to do theater? Like, did you like watching musicals or doing stuff like that? Or is it just a random like, oh, they have a theater class. Let me audit this and see if I like it. Um, in high school, when I first was more introduced to theater as like a participant, um, it was just another club. It was come audition for the play. You know, it's something else to try. And I was like, oh, that sounds really fun. Like, you know, as a kid, I was extremely imaginative. We would always put on shows and I would try to like gather all the neighbor kids and do talent shows and stuff. And the director in me was very much there. Like I loved organizing that. So it's like, that sounds really fun. So I auditioned for the show and my freshman year, I got the female lead in the play. And so I was like, oh, okay, you know, I, there's something here. And all of the people that I met in the theater department and drama club were the best people. They were incredibly welcoming, um, just, you know, free spirits, imaginative. There was no high school, like, judgment in the theater department. Those kids are it's kind of outcasts from cliques a lot of times. And so I just, I love the people, really, was what it was. Um, and then it was super creative. And so, yeah, once I got to the college, I was like, that's the people I want to surround myself with. Were you doing, so before you changed to the theater major, were you doing some of that? Like, were you in clubs in college for theater as well, or? No, I changed quickly. It was after the first semester. Of college. Oh, okay. All so right. I knew right away that architecture wasn't it. And especially okay. at ASU, it's, um, a decent architecture school so there was a ton of kids to be weeded out I immediately it was like yep this isn't for me so I'm always curious to ask this question because every anyone that's obviously let, let's say older adult meaning they didn't just graduate college a lot of them are not doing what they actually went to do in college in their degree as though when you did graduate or you're nearing that did you think you were gonna direct films or go on Broadway? Like what was your thought on theater? Like how do, how do you think that mixed into your adult life? What was your plan? Um, absolutely agree. I think when I was entering college was about the time when it was starting to like go around, you know, that people were not using their degree for the jobs that they were being hired for. It really at that time was starting to only matter that you had a degree which was why I jumped ship on the theater. And I said, you know, F it, I'm just gonna go get a theater degree because it's not gonna matter. They're just gonna like the fact I have a degree. Um, so once I was graduating, I sort of tried to explore it as a full-time career. Um, I knew it would be very difficult financially. And part of moving to Boston was that I knew there was at least a theater scene there more so than Phoenix. I might be able to have a full-time 
job in a theater world. Um, it looked like it was going to land in something probably administrative just to hold down, right, like, you know, the basics. So I knew I was going to give it a shot, but kind of in the back of my mind, probably also knew it wasn't going to work. Did you, I mean, is that why you left Boston? Or did you, was there other reason that you were just homesick maybe, or just ready um, to I tried, I tried theater in Boston. I really loved it. I ended up getting more scooped up into the sports world there, which is easy to do in Boston. I'm a huge sports fan and come from a hockey loving family. So when I moved to Boston, the Bruins won the cup in 2011 while I lived there. That scooped me up and I came back to Phoenix because I thought that I could return to a job with the Phoenix Coyotes. I'd worked with them through college on their promotions team. And I thought, okay, if I move back to Phoenix, I'm still in the sports world. Maybe I can gain some traction there, advance in the sports world. Also coupled with my family is here. I was a little homesick for family. It's wicked expensive to live in Boston. Um, so yeah, all those things. I was like, you know, maybe I'll go home. Well, maybe I'll move back to Boston after a while. We'll see. But I'd been there, yeah, almost three years and came back to Phoenix thinking I wouldn't stay. But here I am. <laughs> I, I see you picked up the wicked. That's a uh, that's a New England term. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I it grew comes up out with more that. more when you're drinking beer. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I I really want to get into so a lot of the stuff you're doing today obviously stems back to maybe some of the things you when you got back to uh, Phoenix and some of the things you got into. You were working. You mentioned like coffee shops and those type of things. Actually, isn't that where you met our our connection, Presley? Right? Is that is that right? Yes. Yes. So yeah, how did you back, meet Presley? That's good. We'll, we'll put her on the spot here on this uh, podcast. Love Presley. When I moved back, thinking I would return to a job with the Phoenix Coyotes, now Arizona Coyotes, that was the NHL lockout year. So there was no hockey to be had. And I was like, well, shit, I need a job. And coffee was easily available. So I grabbed a job at a coffee shop, met cool people like Presley. And yeah, we've stayed in touch because we very much have the same achiever mindset and we're actually working together. We're doing a small business workshop this Thursday in Scottsdale. Yeah. Cause I want to talk about that, the brand camp and stuff like that a little bit. One of the things I did want to mention though, or I, I guess, so you had the lockout, what mm -hmm. were you going to do? Cause this is always the fascination again with a lot of the guests on here. It's kind of like what they're doing now is nothing even remotely close to what they were going to do a while back. So did you just squash the whole Coyotes idea once, you know, the lockout was there? Did you try to get it hired back there when the lockout ended? What happened in those next maybe year or two after that? So I know, right. This, everything is always just like going backwards through what detours did you have in life? And then which way did you go from there? Because that's all it is. And I feel like the older I get, the more I figure out how to just embrace those detours when they come up and accept that maybe that path wasn't the right way to go and then really look at all the other options. I used to get really stuck when something would like come up and roadblock me and I couldn't proceed with what I thought was going to happen. Um, so I'm getting better at it. As you can tell, there's a lot of these twists and turns in life already. Um, I, I kind of like fell out of that passion a little once the lockout happened in that season they kind of had a half season that started weirdly in the middle, but I got into the coffee world and it was really great people. Again, the people in the cafe that I was with 
were just extremely friendly. That was the culture of the cafe itself and why it's thriving here. Um, I was just like taken with that. And then I was on the older side of employees. I was mid to late twenties. Um, a lot of the people working there were early twenties and younger. And so I knew I was told if I wanted to, I had a spot to move up into leadership. And so I grabbed the hold of that and just started to climb the ladder there quickly. Yeah, this is one of the things interesting to me because you know I'm in my mid 30s and you know I, I kind of say as a late bloomer, if you will. <laughs> but did you feel? And I don't know. Maybe it was a maybe it's, you'll answer no to this. But did you feel like stuck at all? Because you're you know it's one of those things and. I probably, you know, kind of felt like this a handful of years ago, but it's like, I'm working at a coffee shop. Like I'm late, my late twenties, like what the hell am I doing with my life? Did you have a lot of those moments? Absolutely. Uh, multiple times too, because, oh man, so many twists and turns here. Was at the coffee shop, let's say about four years, the whole time had that a little in the back of my head, you know, I work at a coffee shop, all of these other friends and former colleagues of mine are, you know, in their late 20s, moving up in corporate world and doing quote unquote big things. So that was a little bit, you know, of a mental thing to wrap my head around. And then I left the coffee shop, tried the corporate world, found out very quickly I was not a fan, ended up back at the coffee shop right at the time of my 10 year high school reunion. And I was like a bit embarrassed right then was I went back to the coffee shop. I had no idea what was next. Small bit of me knew that I wanted to start my own business, but wasn't sure quite yet what that was as well. I had nothing else to answer to all of my high school friends of, you know, what do you do? I was like, I work at a coffee shop. And so I swallowed my pride. I showed up, I was there and you know, now I can say, cool, look, I own my own coffee business and that's how I got there. But at the time, you know, that was where I was. Yeah, I mean, the judgment's real too. I mean, that I think that's <laughs> something that a lot of us have a hard time overcoming because we're so worried about, and, and that's why, it, you know, this is a real weird tangent, but let's go down it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just think, because I'm, I'm so fascinated by, because I see this through my life, and, and as you're saying, the twists and turns that went through to get me to this point. But th- just the fact of like, people that sell out almost for a short-term win or gain, meaning, hey, I'm going to buy that big expensive house because it makes me look good now, but in a year or two, they're swimming in debt versus, hey, I'm going to keep, you know, kind of riding low um, and uh, and not accumulating debt, if you will, so that I can start that business I've wanted to. It might take me a few years, but I'm there. I'm curious your thoughts on that. And especially too, with the, the world you're around in, because I think, and we'll get into maybe powerhouse women and stuff. I know you're a you know, around that group and stuff, but like just being around all these kind of entrepreneurial type people now, is that something you have, you guys talked about a lot? Do you hear that a lot of, of that struggle of figuring out that, Hey, this is a long game. This is, this is not a short-term win, if you will. That's such a good point. And absolutely like where I was at figuring it out that, you know, it didn't matter that three years ago I was working for someone else at a coffee shop because now I own one. Like, I don't think it's, enough of a conversation. I feel like, I think you like Gary V too. I think he says, you know, that same kind of message a lot. So I listen to that message, but I don't think it's in my circle in that um, younger female entrepreneurial movement that's going on 
all around. I haven't heard it enough in that, which is a great point. I'd love to bring that up kind of in the powerhouse community. Um, yeah, because it, it's hard, right? With like Instagram, especially in social media these days, everything's highlight reel and we're showing the best parts of it. I do think we're getting better at showing the messy parts though, the grind and what it takes. So hopefully that judgment comes down too with the titles and status and where you're at in life sort of thing. Yeah, there's, there's a great quote. I, I talk a lot in quotes. Um, I used to, it's funny. I used to talk a lot in movie quotes, which I still do from time to time, but now it's more like philosophical, <laughs> Empowerment. Quotes, I guess, which is kind of weird actually. Um, but there's a great quote goes something along the lines of, you know, don't judge, don't judge a person by the chapter you walked in on. Meaning everyone's at a different point. And just because what appears like someone's ahead of you, they may not be ahead of you, nor do you, should you even compare with them because you're doing something totally different or you know where you're going. It might just take longer to get there. Um, so that's what I want to talk about a little bit with your, this journey then for a few years, if you will, on starting this business. When did the inception of the idea come into play of, I want to do my own coffee business? When, when did that idea hit you? How long ago? Um, there was a somewhat different coffee shop idea that was very much uh, based in like the idea of living in Boston. The concept wouldn't really work in Phoenix. So that was there since probably 2014 very loosely but like maybe I would want to move back to Boston and open a coffee slot shop slash bar um so I kind of like played with that for several years and then in 2017 my husband and I had a come to Jesus talk about finances and what, whether we wanted to remain living in Phoenix or try to move to Boston or somewhere else. And the cost of living in Phoenix is quite easy. It's cheap to live here. Our families both live here. So it really didn't make any sense for us to push the limits and live somewhere else. So that was hard for me to wrap my mind around as I was back at the coffee shop, not really sure what I was doing and had these aspirations of something to own, but it was elsewhere. So living here, I was like, well, what am I gonna do? And for a few months, I felt really lost. But like I said, I was getting better at figuring out, you know, there's gonna be bumps and then take hold of whatever the opportunities are that are in front of you. So my husband came up with the idea, I think it was early 2017. And he was like, well, why don't you own a coffee shop here and do like a mobile one? So you can just pick and do, you know, events and then do whatever you want. I was like, well, that's not a bad idea. So I thought about it. I let it percolate, as I like to say, for a while. And I went through personality tests on myself and put myself through the ringer to figure out if I was fit to be an entrepreneur. Um, I knew a lot of financial stress would come with this. And so I didn't want to dive into it without doing my homework. So I started to, I think March, 2017, finally tell friends like, Hey, I think I'm going to do this. And then of course there was the accountability factor and that's why it's all happened. Well, I want to underscore something that you, well, actually two things. So let, let me go back first though, to your husband. How long did you guys like, 
what's the court, if you will? How long did you date before you got married? Um, we have known each other since high school. He was a okay. friend of a friend in high school. We didn't really start hanging out and talking until I was actually living in Boston. Um, we started talking more at that point, like, I don't know, 2011. Okay. And then started dating kind of soon after I moved back to Phoenix. And we've been married now four years. Okay. So you, I guess to paint that picture, so you've had, he's been in your life for a lot of this time of working the yeah. coffee shop, going to leadership, coming back. What, tell me about the support. <laughs> tell, you know, he's, he's, he's gone through that. <laughs> he's witnessed the roller coaster. Yes. Yeah, of course. Tell me about the support system from his side and how helpful, hopefully it's been helpful um, from his end in terms of, one, keeping you above water, if you will, kind of from a mindset standpoint, maybe in those times when you got depressed. Mm -hmm. But then two, obviously, the full throttle of like, hey, not only come up with the idea, but like you should do this, that support system there to actually push you over the edge to actually do it. How important has that been for you? Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah, of course. It's been like literally everything. I must have known I think I have high self-awareness, but I must have known I needed that partner in life because I knew I wanted to get married. And I, I chose someone that I was, people say they, you know, I want someone who challenges me. And Dave is the perfect balance for me of challenging and comforting because he knows exactly what I want to do before I do, like the business, knows how to present it to me in a way that makes me feel like it's my idea you know he's like really good at that and then yeah of course the comfort end of it like the ups and downs of going through working for a coffee shop and not feeling like that's enough to working in a corporate environment and for other business owners that we have extremely different value systems and I went through a tough emotional time feeling like I was working harder than my leaders um, and then letting go of that um, feeling like I was leaving it. So he's been the support system through all of that. And then of course, starting a business, which is incredibly difficult and trying and lonesome. Um, yeah. It, I, none of it could have happened without him. That's 100% why it's all happening and why we're doing it. We talked about the setup of, owning our own business gives us flexibility to end up doing the things we want to do in life, which here living in Phoenix, you know, it'd be nice to see snowbirds maybe by the time we're 40 and not spend the summers here. So creating a business that is more seasonal is going to allow us to do that in the future where businesses so dead in the summer here, we'll be able to pick up and just go when I can shut the bird down. So yeah, everything revolves around what we wanted our life to look like together as a team. And he's been so helpful. I think he's glad I finally hired a part-time employee now so that he has the Saturdays free. But yeah, it, it has been crucial that we've had really good communication, not only on a marriage level, but on a business level. And that's looked like a lot of different things from, you know, setting weekly meetings, financial meetings which at first, you know, is real awkward. Like you and your partner go into the office here and are like, okay, we have to talk about this, but I don't have anybody else to talk about accounting with. So like today we sat down and cleaned up QuickBooks Tuesday afternoon with my husband, you know, that's what life looks like, but it's, it's fun. Sounds like a nice little Tuesday afternoon. That's <laughs> yeah, that's great. 
That's my um, you, Yeah, I mean. I mean, at the end of the day, I think that's such a huge factor because one, you you know, going after it alone is is challenging enough. But I think, yeah, having that partner that, gosh, maybe, maybe you had a crappy day out there or something happened where you can come back and talk and they can comfort you, as you said. So I think that's really, you know, valuable, I guess, if you can find that. Uh, how, how involved then is he with the business? Um, is he involved a really good amount then or? Yes. Um, so I own the business solely and I operate it mostly on my own. He's sort of my everything else. Like he helps with accounting. He is my mechanical, you know, handyman. He knows how to do changing the oil, the things that I, you know, either don't care to do, don't know how to do. Um, and then he's my soundboard and support for all the ideas, which we try to limit, you know, and turn off at certain times. And there'll be probably once every month or so where he goes, okay, we're kind of, you know, capping out on business talk right now. Like we need to turn it off. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But we've created those boundaries where we can separate the personal and the business. You also said something else that's very interesting. I'm curious your take on this deeper. You mentioned you had to see if you were fit to be an entrepreneur. What do you, what do you mean by that? What did you not think that you could do it? Um, well, I knew I could do it because if you don't, do you know the Enneagrams? I'm very into them I, right now. Presley mentioned that I did one. Um, I actually did want like an online little one. What were you? Challenger. Oh, is that the eight or nine? I can't remember. Seven. Yeah. I went through it really quickly though. So I'm like, maybe I should try it again. I don't know. I think no, it, I can... it, it, it matched up kind of okay. I mean, there was probably like a 70, 80%. It felt right. I can see so, that. What about you? That's fun. I'm the achiever, which is a three. And then I have what they call a wing four, which I think is the individualist. It's like individualist artist. Um, but achiever makes sense for sure. So yeah, I'm always going hundred miles an hour. I used to be an insomniac and would stay up just thinking about wild ideas, you know, things I could do, businesses, projects. Um, and part of this was to flip my whole schedule around and really like help myself in that I have to get up super early. I get up, you know, between four, 4.30 a lot of days. And so now I can't stay up that late and I'm tired and have to go to sleep. So now I get up, I get my day going, I help others get their day started, which feels, you know, so purposeful for me. And then I'm done, you know, around noon by most days, have a lot of my day left to enjoy. And I've already started out with this great morning. And then I'm tired enough by eight o'clock that I'm the coolest 31 year old in bed by 8 p.m. Well, I think there's a lot of folks though, and, th and this, your, your story here could be really helpful because there's a lot of folks that they want, you mentioned, Hey, I stay up late. I have all these ideas floating ahead. That sounds like me, right? That's kind of how I am. And, but a lot of folks are very fearful of taking the leap of faith, right? They're like, mm -hmm. yeah, but I kind of got this job that at least pays me. I, I kind of know what I'm going to do on the weekends, like that type of thing. Was, was that hard for you to take the leap of faith on yourself and bet on yourself? Or had you known I'm going to do this is just more of a matter of time? 
I, I'm more interested in kind of the, the mindset, I guess, if you will, of, of mm-hmm. jumping from the coffee shop to actually running your business. I think it was a matter of time. I knew at some point I would become an entrepreneur, small business owner. I put that in my mind somewhere farther out in the future, but then started to question why, like, why not now? Um, And like a whole different way, of course, because the coffee shop idea I'd had wasn't going to work at least anytime soon, you know, next 10 years. And I felt ready enough having had the experience I did. So I was like, I think I'm ready now. And I wanted to do my due diligence. And that's why I put myself through personality quizzes. Also to find out more of what my strengths and weaknesses were, knowing I was going to pursue this. And what did I need to sort of look out for, um, which has helped. I mean, I still go back to things like I tend to lean more towards aesthetics than functionality. And that's always in the back of my mind because I pointed it out to myself early. And now I'm able to make decisions faster and be like, you know what, that might not be pretty, but it it works and we'll just go with it because it needs to work. So I'm really, really glad that I took that time to figure out, you know, where I was really good at, um, also to know what I would enjoy doing, like would this mobile coffee business really, really give me purpose and fuel me every day when it gets hard because starting a business is hard. And if you're not going to love it, it's not going to last. So I was like, no, I, I've done the job and I love getting up early in the morning. So I know I'll love the job and that's going to get me through this whole process of starting it, like building the trailer out and dealing with, you know, financial struggles, which it did. Cause I knew in the end, I'm going to love that job. And it surprises me how many people will, even let's say in the food truck world, start a food truck and they've never done the job. They romanticize the idea. And it's like, well, you don't, do you know what that day-to-day actually looks like? Because that's why I started my business. I know what that day-to-day, you know, the ins and outs, cleaning it, you know, all of the pros and cons. I know what that looks like. And I want to do that for myself and for my customers. So I, I think people really need to, feel it out like visualizations like athletes do you know swim the race do it in your mind before you actually start to do it and then that leap becomes so much easier because you know you know exactly what the end is yeah that's a fair point I think yeah you you've went through the motions for a while you knew what you were getting into so you're prepared uh, which yeah a lot of people now sometimes the naivety I guess helps not, <laughs> not knowing maybe they would have never started if they did but uh, I like the approach obviously you were able to take so so help me through the first few months here I mean you got to get a trailer you got to get permits you got to figure out what co- are you gonna make your own coffee do you buy you get caught co- like I don't I, what were some of those hurdles early on what did you have to struggle with or deal with that was I feel like very tough because it's all self-motivated, you know, you're just on your own timeline of, okay, I got to get this done. And, um, it's a lot of hard, you know, homework cost comparisons, getting quotes, finding out who can build a trailer and yeah, what do permits look like? And what do I need? That was tough. Dealing with the city and the government is not easy. Um, especially like food trucks, it's somewhat new and, so there was a lot of questions asked there. Um, 
all of that all what, of was there any time at the same time like yeah figuring out the time frame of like what do you do first because there's no guidebook I mean I think I literally have a book called starting a food truck for dummies or something um but it's different in each state so you have to do a lot of your own homework and that was boring and just you know tedious reading through all of the different permitting laws did you put a line in the sand like once you decide hey i'm going to do this did you say you know i'm going to launch on this day or was it just kind of hey as i once i get this going i'm gonna, like I, I didn't know if you had okay this is my goal and i'm gonna i'm gonna reach it i don't care what it takes or was it just hey as long as i get it done over the next few months i'm good like how, how did you approach the mm -hmm. actual starting the business good point because I think if it's loose like that it'll never happen right you have to put some pressure on it a goal deadline a date and so I set a goal date um, January 2018 and we set up um, excuse me with the trailer company to do a full custom build that was supposed to be completed by January signed and paid for that in October and December, it wasn't even close to done. And so that was a big hurdle. Um, I had quit my job at the cafe to full, fully so, like focus on this business that I thought was going to start and it didn't start. So then I'm sitting there with no job, a little bit of savings, but not quite enough to get us through the next three months that it took. And the trailer finally got done in April. And then you have to get it inspected. So we didn't actually start until May of 2018. So that was tough. Um, had no, no work for that whole time. And so someone that I was close to told me, just start selling. He's like, just start selling coffee as, as however you can. And I actually moved into a brick and mortar space that was a fully set up cafe and needed someone to operate it. And so I filled in there from the end of December, January, February and March, and just started operating as our business in a cafe so that I could make money, go through our recipes, kind of do a soft opening. And I swear, like I was worried at first, is this gonna be confusing to customers? But it, it got the ball rolling and the business started there really. It moved into the mobile trailer in May. And that's what I count as the beginning, but we actually started in a small cafe in downtown Phoenix for about three months. How, um, so how do you structure the business then? So it's, it's mainly coffee, right? Um, maybe you have some yeah. other things with it, mainly coffee. What I know enough to be dangerous on coffee. I drink coffee, but like, do you buy the beans? Do you like just get it from something? Like, well, tell me a little about that. Cause I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. So it's a mobile coffee trailer, kind of like a food truck. I chose to go with a trailer. So we haul that, um, it's, small enough in size that can fit into a little bit snugger areas. But we have specialty coffee, so you can do espresso-based drinks, lattes, cappuccinos, cortados, all of that. I have cold brew, I can do all the iced coffees that you like, and then I have, you know, lemonade, Italian sodas, hot chocolates, all kinds of fun stuff there. But we are able to do fully customizable services. So let's say you're having a party on private property and want us to serve your alcohol. We can do your margaritas, beer, and wine and fully serve as your 
alcoholic bar as well. So it's just a mobile beverage bar, however you'd like it to be for a private event, or you can come check us out for our morning coffee service. And and what's the split of like, uh, I guess, revenue from the the mobile coffee service versus events? <laughs> we just started doing more events, but they are far more lucrative. Um, and anything that involves alcohol is, and then those tend to be higher clientele events. We've done corporate events um, or weddings, which people expect to be paying more at. So if we bump up to, let's say even two events a month, it's almost 50, 50 with mm. a five day a week coffee service. And I'm curious how you got the, butt. I mean, you mentioned the, the, uh, the coffee shop or whatever, that little, mm-hmm. um, you know, cafe that you were able to work out of for a few months, but how, because this is not a software business, right? You're not doing massive, like, you know, promotion online around the world. Like this is local to the Phoenix area. So talk me through how you did, you know, from a marketing standpoint, how'd you get the word out there? How'd you start getting some early raving fans? How'd you know what big thing for me is like, how'd you know what locations to go to? Obviously you know the area well, because you live there, but like, how'd you know where you wanted to set up shop in the mornings? So like anything else, I think it's all who you know, and I like to meet people. Um, I, in high school, I was in every club. I was in every group. I knew everybody. I did the morning announcements. Like I was friends with everyone. And I think that I've continued that. So when I started the business, even in the brick and mortar cafe, I did that intentionally to start getting the word out, start the conversation, get people talking about it, start the Instagram account, um, generate buzz. I've worked in promotions and marketing. I know at least enough that I could get, I think some sort of buzz generated about it that would carry us over into the trailer, which it did. And then it was a lot of social media. I love using, a free tool that everyone is on, you know, all the time and get people talking about it. So used a lot of marketing in that sense. I gave away, you know, a fair amount of free product up front. Actually, I gave a lot of samples. Hey, try this. I was very confident about my product. And so at different stops, I'd have people try things. Hey, you know, take one for a friend, have them go try it it's all word of mouth. And I think that's brought back so much to me. I have paid very little in marketing, um, you know, like little to no sponsored ads. And I constantly just encourage customers to tell other people about my business. And I swear that is, that's the key. That's the raving fans, right? (laughs) Like that's been working and I hope it continues to work. What's the biggest thing you've learned about owning a mobile business? Uh, that was the curve, right? It's mobile. So I have had some mobile disasters for sure. Um, I blew a tire, which was fun. It's a little scary. I, I mean, I haul this, this is a 10 foot by seven foot trailer. And I think I'm so used to it at this point. There'll be people that ask like, Oh, you haul that on the freeway by yourself. I'm like, yeah, you know, (laughs) that's my business. It's on wheels. But Um, sometimes it gets scary when driving back and there's semi trucks next to me and stuff. And there's things that can go wrong in the trailer while you're moving. So I've had, um, my cold brew keg, somehow the tap opened and the entire keg of cold brew leaked out into the trailer while we were moving. So I opened the door and it was like the Titanic sea of cold brew. 
So that was a fun deep clean, you know, stuff like that. I've broken a lot of like glass bottles of, we actually have milk in glass bottles. There's a really cool local dairy farm here, which is great, except when you're a mobile business. So you move and your glass bottles clink together and shatter. I've broken several of those. Lots of learning curves in a mobile business that you would never know in a regular cafe, but you know, keeps it interesting. So I want to transition a little bit on the marketing, obviously, piece and stuff around this brand camp that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and are you doing this with Presley? Yeah. So Presley has, she's conducted a few workshops in Phoenix and Scottsdale before. They were um, like goal setting workshops and I attended a few. Just love her as a presenter and as a speaker. Her podcast when she was on yours, I think her voice is really soothing and really easy to listen to. So I had an idea that I wanted to help other small business, you know, owners and entrepreneurs do some basic branding work. I think branding intimidates a lot of people, whether that's holding them back from starting their business or they've already started and just don't feel confident in their branding and how to do that social media. Um, I, I wanted to collaborate and Presley was down. So we're going to host this three hour intimate workshop. We're going to go over small business branding basics. And I'm super stoked because I think it packs so much value. And I'm like excited that people are going to get a chance to sit down and really focus in because it only takes a, you know, a small amount of time to come away with a ton of useful information, whether they need a new website, need a new logo, they'll walk away with all the tools whether they want to do it themselves or hand it off to a designer. Is this like an ongoing thing y'all are going to try? Or is this like a, Hey, we're going to do it once a year. Or? I think we'll try it and see what happens. No, no yeah. commitments. Yeah. yeah. That's, no, that's commitments. Fair. no, no, no. We'll see. This is, yeah. We're, I think both Presley and I like challenging ourselves. Like I said, we're, I believe both the achiever type. And so I say I'm young too, but she's younger than I, and she's really great at getting herself into new things all the time. I pushed her into this one with me so we could try it, see how working together went, which I think went really well. And then maybe do something else in the future, whether it's another brand camp or maybe the next steps, we're not sure, but we have really enjoyed this process and we're super excited for Thursday. So what are you excited about with, with the mobile business then? Maybe the next year or so. Now you're kind of two years into it. You're getting the flow, right? What, what are you excited about coming up here in 2020 or beyond? I love the routine. I mean, it was fun, like going back over it and reflecting over that first like real calendar year. It's been fun. It's been a lot of learning. I'm excited for another just kind of growth year where we have our routine we added more events. We will push for more of that kind of night owl side to the early bird of doing nighttime and alcoholic based events. Um, that'll be a push in 2020. I think it's the 20s. There'll be more parties, right? We need to bring the beverages then. Um, yeah, you gotta be exactly. Yeah. Every party needs at least drinks. So that's why we're here. So, I'm going to make you kind of, well, if you could list this out or at least try to compartmentalize as best you can here, because the word success gets thrown around a lot, 
right? You know, what, this person has a successful career, a successful life. I'm not a big believer in that. I'm more of like, as long as you're being fulfilled in life, everyone, success looks different. But for you, if we're saying, hey, you've had some success early on, last couple of years, obviously with this business, are there a couple keys or principles maybe that have been guiding for you to, to get to this point um, versus maybe where you were five years ago? Is there anything that you kind of think about a lot of the one or two or three things that's like, if these didn't exist in my life, meaning values or things that you kind of work toward, you wouldn't really be in the position you are. Anything you'd share on that? That's a good question. And I agree. Success is absolutely by your own definition, whatever, you know, you believe it to be. I thought about that recently and I think I feel extremely successful the business is successful. No, I'm not making tons and tons of money. Like I sell coffee. It's a slow growth, but I feel extremely successful in that I'm incredibly happy every day. I mean, yeah, when the tire explodes, I'm not really happy, but more than 80% of the time, what's the split? 80, 20, you're supposed to be, I'm 99% of the time happy. And that feels like the ultimate definition of successful to me. I'm paying my bills and I'm happy. Um, I feel extremely purposeful. I'm starting people's day off with coffee, which we know is like a drug. People need it to get going. And so as basic as I could get, I really wanted to feel like I was making a difference and I am. And I, I don't get too emotional about stuff, but I get emotional when every day someone says thank you for showing up and like genuinely means it and I'm like wow like they really like they're happy I'm here and they wouldn't have had this without me this experience this coffee um so I think finding your purpose is like stupid as that sounds but it's very different than what I think a lot of people imagine that to mean um as you can tell I never thought I would be doing what I'm doing it's just, like I said, choosing that right detour path after the roadblock has come up. I said, you know, here's this idea. My husband, who knows me extremely well, brought it up because he knows I would enjoy it. And I, I do. Like, it keeps me going every day. So, I, well, I don't think finding your purpose is, is, however you word it, dumb or anything. I think that's, that's actually it. Like, that is. It is. That's the key. Yeah. I mean, and, and one of the things too, is you mentioned, you know, we're talking about success. Like I, I mean, I really believe success is just a mindset, right? Yeah. It, it's just really how you feel. And because, and maybe we both, you and I both been there, or obviously we see others that we care about maybe around us that it's always going for the dollar. And yes, in the, again, that short term win is like, yeah, I have some money. Great. But in five, 10 years, that, that level of regret of like, God, what am I doing? I'm not making an impact. I don't have purpose. And I think that's what, you know, drains people a lot in, in their elder years. Um, that's just my mm-hmm. feeling. Um, from oh, what yeah. I observe. Well, that's a great, yes. <laughs> that summarizes what I was going with for sure. I mean, yeah. I, again, I'm being smart enough in that I know this is a business and it needs financial growth and to have stability. So yes, we're growing it. And I'm happy with that, but that's not all of it. And that's to me, not most of it. Most of it is that it's fueling me in my purpose. 
Well, and, and this is interesting too, because the purpose, you know, that word, right, is, as you mentioned, I think you mentioned this earlier, if someone is just getting into it, just as a job, like, oh yeah, this will be cool to start a business. Mm-hmm. They don't have that passion or the purpose that's really driving them through the the tire mm-hmm. popped days, you know, like you, you have to have something that beyond just motivation, I think that keeps you going and having that purpose of nothing's going to stop me is, a, I think it's just a fascinating thing that needs to be talked about more. Maybe it is, and I'm not listening to other things, but I think I am like, I don't think it's talked about as much that having that purpose and really sitting and reflecting, you know, I talk about, I can't remember in Presley and I's interview, we talked about this, but you know, I chat a lot about the North star. And that's what I call it. It's kind of, I don't know, maybe it sounds different, but like you never actually catch it, but always having that as your guiding principle of like, this is where I'm, or, or guiding, I guess, light, if you will, of this is where I'm going so that you never kind of lose hope. Cause you always see it in the distance. Like this is what I want to go forward with. If you don't have that, it's almost like, what's the point, you know? I don't know if I'm Absolutely. going on a tangent. Here well, yeah. Cause then what, what are you getting up for in the morning? Right? Like, I, I knew because I'd done the job before that I want to get up for the, the customers. Like that matters a lot to me. And I have a hard time when I'm sick to have to cancel a stop because I know that the customers will be sad. So I was like, I'm going to put myself into massive accountability and that's my job. You know, like I knew where the value was and then how to backtrack from that to set myself up with a career that I'm very happy and, you know, I never thought I'd be a food truck owner (laughs) and it's still funny for me to say, but I love it. Yeah. Well, it goes back to what uh, you were talking about Gary Vee at the beginning, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Or at least touched on him. Like, I think, you know, this is a lot of some of the stuff that he talks about, but like the living for the weekends, right? One of the things that, you know, cause I'm, I'm still in software sales. I enjoyed the role, but one of the things that just pains me almost is when I hear people like in the hallways or whatever, like they're like, someone's like, Oh, Hey, how, you know, how you doing today? Like, well, it's a Wednesday halfway to the weekend. And I'm like, I feel mm-hmm. so bad. Cause I'm like, you don't even like today, the present day. You're so looking forward to the future, uh, which is good, I guess. But at the same time, it's like, you got to love every day. I mean, you only get so mm-hmm. many of them. So anyways, we can go down that rabbit hole for, for a while. Yeah. Um, what, a. So I, when I listen to a lot of podcasts, I love taking notes. I've, I've taken a bunch of notes here just with mm-hmm. chatting with you. Um, whether there's a learning maybe that you want someone to get out of this, maybe it's a quote you live by, advice you got from a mentor, whatever it is, is there something that you would kind of leave as a lasting impression you'd mention um, to the folks out there listening? I think, so you're the quote person, so... I'm not great at remembering, but Douglas Adams, I may not have traveled the road I intended, but I ended up where I was supposed to be is sort of the paraphrasing of it. That's sort of my, I think my lifetime quote there is, you know, not landing up, ending up where you intended to go and finding yourself much happier where you ended up being. Um, You know, there's several different versions of how my life could have ended up to at this point, you know, I could be a sports writer, I could be in the corporate world, you know, and like, sure, I could be happy. But like, this is where I am. And I'm, I'm so happy. I can't imagine it any other way. Because this is where life's gone, you know. And I just think that we get really hung up on what is supposed to happen. 
rather than letting things happen. That's a, that's a great point. That's a good point to end on. All right, where can everyone find you online? In, in case they don't live in the Phoenix area, but maybe they're going to travel there, where can everyone yeah. check you out or find Come your location that coffee. you'll be at? <laughs> Come see us. So my business, The Early Bird, is on Instagram at earlybirdphx, which is abbreviated of Phoenix. Uh, our website is earlybirdphx.com. And you can find me at Michelle Ricci. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-A-R-I-C-C-I. It's very Italian, if you can't tell. Michelle, this was fun. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks, Brian. I had a good time. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that episode with Michelle. I know I did. And I wanted to just share one or two quick um, things that I took away from it. And it's all around, you know, kind of knowing who you are. Um, and I think that's a big thing, the self-awareness, um, knowing, hey, where am I? Forget about everyone else, but where am I internally? How do I feel? How am I ticking? And how is that ultimately going to lead me to a better life? And she mentions two big things in there. One about you know, going to her high school reunion and kind of having to suck it up and just say, hey, I work at a coffee shop. And you know, she's in her what, you know, late 20s. I think that's okay because everyone's at different speeds. I use the quote in there, you know, Everyone's at kind of the different chapters, right? Don't judge a book by the chapter you walk in on. And being able to actually go back and focus on where am I at and what do I want to do in life? And sometimes that takes longer for others to figure out. And that's okay because you might be putting those building blocks in place in the background where other folks, maybe they look fancy or they look like they're way further ahead, but they might be plateauing. Who knows? Um, And it doesn't matter. That's the whole point is what do you want to do? And as long as you're focused and you're content that you're making the right decisions for the next phase of your life, I think that's okay. So just knowing who you are is important to get to that next level. And then on, on the second part of that is she mentions about starting the business and kind of, you know, it's something you have to have done the job she ultimately felt to really make her successful in what she's doing now with uh, the early bird. And that's actually a great point to make is, you know, I I use an example of just a random one, maybe similar to that though, is like, if you say, Hey, you know what? I'm sick of my job. I'm going to quit it. I'm going to franchise out a restaurant and I'm going to start it. Well, if you've never spent one day in the restaurant industry, you have zero idea what you're getting into. So the fact that actually doing some of that job a little bit and, and loving it and being enthralled in it and wanting to do it day in and day out, there's certainly a lot of things that, you know, she's doing with her business that she's never done before. You know, she mentioned, you know, the tire popping on the road, like that stuff you just kind of figure out, right? And as happens, uh, maybe part of the fun of it too, I guess, some of that unknown. But being able to actually understand where she served coffee, she knew how to make it, she knew how to do the customer service, like a lot of those things is very valuable, obviously, her day in and day out. So something, again, knowing who you are, giving yourself that opportunity to um, having done the job before and make sure you're passionate about it because you need to get up each and every day in the grind in some of the days that maybe aren't the best either. So two big points that I took away from it. I know there's probably a variety of others. Maybe you all did as well. So go ahead. I, I'd love if you shoot me a note. What did you take away? What were your thoughts on it? Certainly love the feedback. Um, and I'll certainly share that share that with Michelle as well. Um, you can also share it with her as well on her Instagram feed, um, you know, through her website, etc. Everything's in the show notes um, if you all want to take a look and uh, connect with her further. So hope to get a chance to connect with you guys further online. Remember, you can check me out at Brian Andreco on Instagram and Twitter. Send me a note there or my website, brianandreco.com. I hope you all have a great day, a 
phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.